Today, we are talking about the doctrine of men, and the subject is free will. Now, free will has been debated by many people in the church. It seems as though the church early on has agreed that man has a free will and can choose between good and evil. Gnostics oppose this many times and have argued that man is destined by God. Destiny uh, this is your destiny in life is really a term originally from Gnostics. <clears throat> the church has argued for a very long time that free will is what God has given man as a gift. It seemed to be under Augustine that he allowed the Gnostic view of free will enter his theology when he debated with Pelagius. And since that time, some of the church and many, especially in the Protestant circles, have accepted what is originally Augustinian theology which is actually originally Gnostic, Manichaeanism, um, which we call today Calvinism, because Calvin was took this from Augustine. Calvin lived about uh, about 1500, around 1500 A.D. during the Protestant Reformation. He took this idea of what we call Calvinism, man's total depravity to the point that he has no choice and God has to choose for him and God either saves someone or God allows that person to go to hell and that person has no free will to go to heaven on their own or go to hell. This is called Calvinism which is borrowed from Augustine which he was influenced by the Gnostic uh, Manichaean or Manichaeanisms, the Manichaean Gnostics. We, my view is going to be based on what the church has originally taught and based on a plain interpretation of scripture, which is not too hard to understand. Um, now, the law says, Thou shalt not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, house, servants, and etc. 
So these are all commands that God tells us not to do and sometimes commands that we ought to do. In Romans 12 it says, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. And there's more commands. Verse 13 of Romans 12. And he keeps going. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things. But can condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your, in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Now that is a list of commands of what to do. Um, in your spiritual life. And what not to do. Now if we do not have a free will then all these commands are worthless. Why would God command someone who has no free will? It is a self-evident truth that man has a free will. God assumes that we just understand that if he gives us commands to do. God would not be just to tell us, do this and do that, but then turn around and say, but you really can't. So if God told us to be loving to each other, be kindly affectionate, and he knew we could not be, then he could unjustly condemn us. If God said, don't sin, but told us, oh, but you have no power over sin, you don't have free will not to sin, then we could be just unjustly condemned because God is telling us something that we have no choice of doing and then condemning us for that. It's like telling a toddler go move a 5,000 pound boulder and then spanking him because he can't do it. Then telling him again move that 5,000 pound boulder and he cries I can't and then whips him. That would be unfair and unjust. If God gives us commands, then it is assumed that he gave us the capacity to fulfill those commands. Because God is just. And so man has a free will is self-evident. I really do not think anyone who reads the scripture that has... Um, common sense could miss this point. However, because of Gnostic influence, we have many Christians that actually do think to some degree and to some level that man has no free will or very little 
or that God overall is just sovereign and does whatever he wants in your life and you really don't have that much of a free will. Now, certain psychologists who are atheists believe that man is a machine and therefore a product of his environment. If man is merely a machine without a soul or a spirit, as atheist psychologists some would say and teach, then man acts according to his external environment and other natural laws, having no free will but just does what his his natural ability. Now this type of teaching um, would seem to make it that mankind is not responsible for his actions and that if this is true as a psychologist would say then man has no responsibility for his actions. Of course, Scripture would disagree with that. And so we should not let psychology creep in to what we believe. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, it says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. God wants us to choose the right path that we may live forever in eternity. Deuteronomy is telling the Israelites to choose the right way and that would be the way of, of life. And don't reject God's law. In the New Testament, we're told that God desires all men to be saved and all men to come to repentance. God desires all men to be saved and he, therefore he gave his life as a ransom for all. Now this means that God died for all people and desires all to be saved. So he does not destine someone to hell or to heaven in that manner. Rather, he has died for all people and sends out his apostles and prophets and teachers in all generations, all the saints, are calling man to repentance as Jesus did. Hoping and praying, he wishes all, every single human being would make it to heaven. He knows they will not, and he chooses those whom he knows will answer that call. But this being evident, if God desires all men to be saved, then why would a Calvinist say he only chooses some and the others cannot be saved? 
This would make absolutely no sense. So either a Calvinist has to say all does not mean all, completely rejecting that Bible verse and twisting it purposely, which I dare not to do. All he said, or he says that man is totally depraved because of sin, that he cannot choose good, and therefore God only chooses certain people, and by God's grace, you have to, that grace is irresistible, you can't resist it. Now, and they say you can't resist the Holy Spirit. Therefore, man has no free will, because if the Holy Spirit calls you to salvation, you can't resist it. And if God doesn't call you, you can't get saved no matter how hard you try, because you're totally depraved. And that's their definition of total depravity. That means God chooses who goes to heaven who goes to hell, according to a Calvinist. But if God desires all men to be saved and died for all people, then this makes no sense that God desires everyone to be saved, but then purposely only chooses half of them to be saved. Or quarter them. This, of course, is self-defeating in its logical implications, and therefore Calvinist has no good foundation for this view. Again, common sense tells us if we know that verse, then we know that God wants all people to be saved, and therefore if you reject salvation, it's a free will choice. Therefore, man's free will has high responsibilities. With your free will, you can choose your destiny. You can either say, you can either accept God's free gifts of salvation and go to heaven, or you can choose with a free will an eternity in hell by rejecting God. With the gift of free will comes an immense responsibility of life or death. Therefore, we urge anyone who hears this, choose life. Choose Jesus Christ. He died for you. He desires you to be saved. And this is a basic teaching of free will. It's not hard to understand, but it's been so corrupted, the simplicity of the gospel of choosing Christ or choosing to go against Him has been skewed by Gnostic teaching for the last 1,600 years, roughly. Now, we are not going to deep dive into free will. But I do want to mention that the mind, your mind and free will do work together. Um, the mind has a direct impact on free will. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Now wisdom is practical application of understanding. Understanding is the mind. With your mind you can understand, and therefore James links that a wise and understanding person shows it by their life, how they choose to live their life and deeds. Therefore the mind has direct implication with how you choose to live. Colossians 3, 2 says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now that means that when I set my mind to things above and not on earthly things, I'll be more heavily minded and choose to live my life more heavily minded for Christ. Romans 12.2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
That shows us that by transforming your mind, re, re energizing your mind, how to think correctly about God and His will makes you able with that spiritful mind choose and prove and test things that the mind does so you can do God's will. The mind is directly correlated to doing God's will. In fact, those who do not do God's will and the unbelievers are said to be deceived by Satan doing his will. Deception is of the mind. Therefore, Satan knows the mind is a key to hindering man's free will. If he can deceive someone into thinking something else, he can change her action. By deceiving Eve into thinking that you'll be like God's and the fruit is good and that there is no death, you will not, you surely will not die. By changing her mind, he changed her free will. Now this shows us that we have to guard a mind and be wise in our thinking so that our free will, that we can choose what is right. Now our body and free will. Our physical body is also directly linked to our free will. When we do not by the Spirit put to death the deeds of flesh and we are not filling ourselves with self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit, then we are allowing our bodily desires control us. And instead of sin, which enslaves the body, control us, we can put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Holy Spirit and choose to do God's will. Whenever a Christian is fleshly, he generally allows his free will to go with what he feels like he ought to do or what he wants to do in his flesh. Now, this tells us that our free will is influenced by Satan, by how we think, by our emotions, and by our body, and our physical body. And so, um, these things we ought to keep in mind um, so that we can do God's will. Now, I did mention that Gnostics said that you can't resist the Holy Spirit. And I gave proof that you can because God desires to be all to be saved. And yet he still gives his Holy Spirit to convict. Yet some people do choose against God's Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will not make you follow his commands. But he will give you the capacity to choose with your free will to obey God. And there's a verse I forgot to quote in Acts. It says you're always resisting the Holy Spirit. Uh, Stephen the martyr says that to the Pharisees. And so you can resist the Holy Spirit and therefore that proves Calvinistic, Calvinism wrong. You can resist the Holy Spirit. Acts says that. He says you're always resisting the Holy Spirit. Now for those who are atheistic, evolutionist, psychologists that says you're completely governed by your surrounding and your environment we have to understand that our physical body is influenced by the physical world however our soul 
has the power that the actual principal life is a spirit which is not touched by the world directly and it itself is self-autonomous. In other words, the power to choose is actually a power not of this world that God gave us. So we are not, that power to choose is, is not directly linked to the physical world so that we can actually freely choose things and not be directly connected to our environment. So we are not um, a product of merely physical natural laws. It, it has itself power that can choose against those laws. Which means man actually does have a free will. Unfortunately, uh, many Christians who take psychologists on and add Christianity to it. Which is like taking dirty water psychology and then adding pure water, Christianity, to that dirty water and calling it dirty clean water or Christian psychology, um, in my view, uh, is no help. Um, as, and scripture cult says that um, the church has never used psychology, this modern psychology, to try to help the church's problems. Any more that you can get clean drinking water by adding dirt to it, dirt to it. And so Christians have to be careful to watch out because so many churches um, are influenced by psychology, as the church has been influenced by Gnosticism, that man is a product of his environment, and therefore men, Christians, get away with stuff and, and are told, well, it's not really your fault completely. You're a drunkard because, well, you're just prone to it. Uh, you did this or that because of your environment. And we make excuses. But God never in scriptures. Uh, that from what I can tell. Especially in Old Testament. And in the New Testament. Let's men not. Uh, doesn't. View men's actions as not sinful. Because of their environment. He always judges their actions. And very rarely. From what I can tell, if if any scriptures tell us that man is not responsible because of because of his environment, God says the opposite: we're responsible. Period of judgment, and the environment, though influential, God does not leave that as allowing you to be unresponsible. Because he has given you a free will, knowing that you could choose against your environment. And so this is a doctrine of man and free will, which is so important for salvation in every area of life. And so um, may God bless you and help you to understand. Um, amen.